Children play in cars 
motion. <laughs> I was talking to him. He went to see a mechanic, and he was a Muslim, and Musa led him to the Lord. <laughs> and the man told Musa about a month later, I'm the happiest man in the world. <laughs> and Musa will be here. The Kesis are coming from Elyria for Thursday night. Brother, destructive fellows are yet to come. <laughs> and uh, we've had peace so far. <laughs> now, thank you, Brother Harney. We got a group that wants to sing a song. I don't want them to sing, but they want to come. <laughs> sing quickly. Yeah, we got Brother. Uh, Better hope. Better hop. Better hop. 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 H O F. Better hop. Better what? Hop. H O F. Oh, hop. My penmanship stinks. I'm sorry. I did. <laughs> stripes I am here and when I'm lonely he is a friend to me my Jesus he's all I It is word he said. 
So if we could, let's pray for him this morning. It's Brother Mike Leggett's grandson. So pray for this boy. Yeah. Six years old.
Lord, we just count it a privilege to even be here, to hear your word, to hear these songs, to be encouraged, to be reminded, to just remind us how much we need you, and that we can go back and share that message with our people, that these students can get a foundation for their ministries when they go out to serve you in the future. And Lord, we just ask you to be with Pastor today, give him strength. We thank you, Lord, for watching over him all these many years. We ask you to be with this little boy who is struggling with sickness this morning in the hospital. We pray your will be done in his heart and his life. We pray for this dear lady and her husband as I need today. And also the other couple has been mentioned. Lord, you know the very need that they have. And we cry out to you knowing that you know how to meet that need. And Father, we thank you again for this place. We pray for all those that have gone out from it and are serving you in many different mission fields. Lord, we know they're having hard times. But we know one thing, they've learned how to pray. And we know that they can call on you during those difficult hours, wherever they are right now. And Father, we just ask you to continue to just encourage us, use these men of God to, to share your truth in a way that touches our hearts. And may we apply it to our lives and be different than when we came. In thy name we pray. Amen. Old hymns. Old hymns, raise your hand. Well, there you go, Dr. Geiler. Old people love old hymns. Yes, they do. Um, let me tell you, there's three books that I have in my study every morning in my devotional time. My Bible, my devotional that I'm using, and my hymn book. Because there is so much doctrine 
in these old songs. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care on him, for he careth for you. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, He kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. He is a kind, compassionate friend. If I but ask him, he will deliver. Make of my troubles quickly an end. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. I must tell Jesus, and he will help me. Over the world, the victory to win. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must 
tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus Well, I, I would have you turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4 to begin with, and uh, we're glad to be here. I didn't anticipate that I would be preaching today. I had no idea, but uh, glad to have the opportunity. And uh, I'm supposed to preach for 30 minutes, and Brother Muncie said that if I went over 30 minutes that he would be really upset because dinner is next, or lunch is next. <laughs> And uh, we're supposed to preach for Brother Muncie on this coming Sunday, so if I go over 30 minutes, he may not let me come to Winchester, Kentucky, too. So do pray for uh, Pastor and uh, Miss Kay. Uh, yesterday, just before we left, I talked to Brother Siler, and they were looking for a place for Miss Kay to go so that she could be rehabilitated and for therapy, and I'm not sure exactly where they where they've ended up putting her, but um, she had surgery on Monday, and she really hasn't, um, they've had her up, and she tries to talk, but she can't talk legibly, they can't understand her, and she really hasn't been able to stand on her own or do anything. They did a hip surgery, not a hip replacement, but the ball that's on the end of the femur, they put some rods in and put that back on, and so, 
she's not well, pray for her and pray for Brother Siler. He actually, he's never said this to me, but he actually said to me yesterday he was a little discouraged. So, so uh, pray for him. And discouragement is real. Amen. That's, uh, that's the devil's job is to discourage us. My um, wife and I have five children. We have two boys and three girls. They're all grown. We have seven grandkids. And uh, our oldest son was born July the 16th in 1976. He will be 43 this summer. When he was born, he was born at Mansfield General Hospital. We lived in Mansfield, Ohio at the time. And um, in those days, it was when they were just beginning to let the dad go into the delivery room. And so I was in the delivery room when he was born. It was a pretty exciting time. I remember the doctor's name was Dr. Fickner. And uh, they give him a color rating when they're born. And his color rating is from 1 to 10. And his was a 10. He had a perfect color rating. I was a firefighter at the time and uh, went from the hospital after he was born. I went to the fire station and I was excited telling everybody the news. And we had been up for a while and I was, I was tired so I went to sleep there at the fire station and had been sleeping for a little while and the phone rang and they said you need to go to the phone and my wife was on the phone and she said they're getting ready to take our son to Children's Hospital in Columbus. You need to get up here. I got in my car and I drove to the hospital as quickly as I could just to get there in time to see my son in the back of an ambulance going to Children's Hospital in Columbus. When, all ba when babies are born, they all have a hole between the two top chambers of their heart and they have a little vessel that grows between the two bottom arteries or veins that come out of the heart. And when those, within 48 hours, those both close. The vessel closes and the hole in the heart closes. And one of the nurses noticed that after several hours, his color had gone from a bright pink or a good color to sort of a bluish color. And so they sent him down and did an x-ray. And they found that he had what was called a transposition of the great vessels, which means the two main vessels coming out of the top of the heart were reversed so that all the blood that came from the lungs went back to the lungs, and all the blood that came from the body went back to the body. Years ago, they were called blue babies. Some of you are, who are older may remember that term, blue babies. And actually, years ago, there was no hope for them. There was nothing they could do. But um, when, within 48 hours, that hole grows between the two top chambers grows closed and the little vessel closes off so he began to turn blue. So they shipped him to Columbus and they put a catheter in and they went into his heart and they ripped the wall between the two top chambers and they formed, and of course it formed scar tissue and that kept him alive until he was 21 months old. And after he was at 21 months old they went in and did what's called a mustard's operation. They took that wall between the two top chambers out took tissue from the sack of the heart, made a chamber the other way so that his heart now has two chambers like this and two like this. And he's, he's soon to be 43 years old. A few months ago, he went to the doctor. He had to go to the doctor because they 
wanted, he was applying for an, an, an insurance policy and they wanted him to have a checkup. So he went to the doctor, the heart doctor, and the heart doctor was really concerned because he'd never seen that procedure before. And he said, I really don't know how to judge how your heart is doing, so I'm going to send you to a baby doctor. So my 42-year-old son went to a baby doctor to have his heart checked. And he said he was the biggest baby in the room, and I'm sure he was. And uh, so he, they checked his heart, and everything is going fine. Your heart is so important. I mean, you lose your heart, you lose, you lose it all. You lose it all. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep thy heart with all diligence. That word keep there, you look that up, it means to guard. Guard your heart. Just like in the New Testament where it says that the wife is to be keepers at home or the guard of the home. Guard your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. You know, see, he didn't just say keep your heart. With all diligence. It sounds to me like the most important task that you have is to guard your heart. To guard your heart. I love being a Christian. I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm still saved. Amen. I'm so glad I always, I always will be saved. Amen. I'm glad I'm saved. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 6 says, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainties, meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I'm not correcting the Bible, but anytime you see the word as in the Bible, you can put the word like, and it means the same thing. Like a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And you and I are the way we are because of the way we think in our heart. Uh, we, I love Brother Harney. We go to church together. Don't tell anybody that, but we go to church together. Brother Harney knows more jokes than any single individual that I know in my whole life. Brother Harney knows more bad jokes than anybody I know in my whole life. <laughs> and I can promise you that if you're around Brother Harney, you are going to laugh. Now you may think that's just his nature, but let me tell you why Brother Harney is always on the top side. Because Brother Harney guards his heart. You have to guard your heart. I love being saved. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I said it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. But more hurtful and harmful things have been done to me by <clears throat> people who are saved than was ever done to me by the world. And some of you are young and, oh, I wish I was young again. I wish I was young again and know everything I know now. I wouldn't want to be young and be as dumb as I was the first time through it. But, but, but um, I wish I were young and know everything I know now. You know. 
And all of you young folks who are sitting here this morning, I'm going to tell you that the most important task you have is to guard your heart. Guard your heart. When the Bible talks about guarding your heart, he's not talking about this, this pump in here. And it's the way you think in your heart that's going to determine what you are. See? Your heart is your mind and your will and your emotions. That's your heart. Everybody has a mind. I wonder about that sometimes, but, but everybody does have a mind. Everybody has a will and everybody has emotions. Um, I pastored for 25 years or so and, and been at Cornerstone Baptist Temple now for about six years. I've seen a lot, of, a lot of people make a lot of dumb decisions. I have made a lot of dumb decisions. You ever make a decision when you're angry? And then say, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah. Or get really discouraged and make a decision and say, oh my goodness. What have I done? See, See God, intends, God intends for you to know the word. And then all of the information that comes to you comes to your mind and you filter it through the word of God. And then your mind tells your will what to do and your will tells your emotions to be happy about it. See, if you think right, you will do right. If you do right, you will feel right. If you feel right, you will be happy. Let me say that again. That's a good sermon right there. If you think right, you will do right. If you do right, you will feel right. If you feel right, you will be happy. But if you think wrong, you will do wrong. And if you do wrong, you will feel wrong. And if you feel wrong, you will not be happy. See? Nobody finds happiness looking for it. People who are looking for happiness... Never find it. But happiness sneaks up on you while you're doing the right thing. See? You just realize, one day I'm happy. See? Because if you think right, you will do right. If you do right, you will feel right. If you feel right, you will be happy. See? Um, guard your heart. Guard your heart. First reason you ought to guard your heart is because your heart... Honestly, your heart is the most valuable part of you. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. It's the most important part of you. Take care of your mind. I mean, we talk about phones and we talk about television. Take care of your mind. Guard your heart, for out of it are the issues of life. Several years ago, Donald Trump won the election. And the day after the election, I was in the kitchen and I was listening to Hillary Clinton make her concession speech. And all of a sudden, my heart just started, just started racing, fluttering. I don't, I don't know if it had anything to do with Hillary or not. It may have, but <laughs> my heart started racing. And, uh, and I, I never let my wife drive, but it was bad enough that I said to my wife, I think you need to drive me to the hospital. And I had this pressure in my chest, and so I got to the hospital, and they rushed me right in right away, and my heart was beating 160 beats a minute. 
So they took me back and, uh, and uh, did some, ch- some tests. And he, has, he said, <coughs> you have a condition called supraventricular tachycardia, which means that the electrical impulses in your heart are leaking through, and it's telling your heart to beat. It's the opposite of AFib. If your heart gets out of rhythm with AFib, it gets slow. But if your heart gets out of rhythm the other way, it just races. And he said, "There's no, we don't know what causes it. There's no rhyme or reason for when it happens other than those pulses leak through. And he said, you know, if you, sometimes if you push really hard, like that, push really hard, like you have to go to the bathroom, it'll put your heart back in rhythm. <laughs> you know, so I'm going... <laughs> And it wouldn't, it wouldn't go back in rhythm. And, he, and the doctor said, well, there's only one thing we can do, and that's stop your heart. <clears throat> Take some, we'll give you some medicine. They'll actually stop your heart, and then we'll start it again. So they made everybody leave. They brought the crash cart in. They gave me some medicine. The weirdest feeling I've ever felt in my life it was like if somebody was smothering you to death. My heart stopped. They started it back up, and as soon as they did, everything was normal. Everything was fine. He said it may never happen again. And if it does, you know, just, you know, and say part of my speech and then go out and come in another door. And nobody knew what door I was going to come through. So about five minutes before the Christmas program started, I went to the restroom. And you know what happened? My heart started going, just racing. Yeah. So I went, (laughs) it didn't stop. Christmas program had to start. I went out and started narrating. My heart was racing. I went through, back through that door on the side of the, and I sat on those steps back there, and I was, I did it halfway through the program until I finally got it to stop. Yeah. Guard your heart. You know, you, you can't think right if your heart's not right. Hey, I, I can promise you before this day is out, somebody's going to say something that's going to hurt you. And if your heart's not right, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Or you're going to get some news. Just since we came here last night, I've gotten three emails that would just break your heart. Yeah. You're going to get news. You've got to guard your heart. Your, heart. your heart is the most important part of you. Most important part of you. Secondly, you need to guard your heart because it's the source of everything you do. Your outlook toward everything you do is determined by your heart, by the condition of your heart. You know, um, we, we get, I have, I have a horse. And uh, you know, he's 23 years old, but he don't know that either. And so... So he just acts like he's a young horse. And he goes all over. He rides. He's been to Brother, Brother uh, Muncie's church, and he's been, been all over. He rides about 1,000, 1,100 kids a year. He's a great horse. And, uh, you know, he, he, his outlook is what makes him a great horse. How's your outlook? I mean, a fellow who woke up one morning and said, everything stinks, everything stinks, and found out he had Limburger cheese on his lip. You may not, but I know where I'm going when I die. When I die, I'm going to a place called heaven. And you can't stop me. 
Other people have told me to go to some other place, but I can't even go there. See? See? I'm going to heaven when I die. And you know what? I'm just going to live as long as God when I get there. See? And I'm, look, and I have no sins charged on my record. I'll be just as pure and white as the driven snow when I get there. Yeah, I'm going to heaven when I die. I think sometimes we forget about that. I like that song you sang. Don't that sound like heaven? Amen. See, I'm excited about going there. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Um, my grandmother lived in Naomi, West Virginia. Naomi's in Raleigh County, way up in the mountains. Now, they, they had running water, and uh, you had to run out to the spring and get it and then run it back to the house. And everybody drank out, every, you remember that everybody had a big bucket and they all drank out of the same dipper? Everybody used the same dipper? Yeah. Some of y'all from down in there too, I can tell. But you know what, they guard that, they guard that spring, because if that spring gets bad, it affects everybody, See? You may feel like nobody, you may feel like you're alone, nobody's counting on you, but I promise you there's a whole world full of people who are counting on you. And if your spring goes bad, if your heart goes bad, it doesn't just affect you. It affects a whole world full of people. You know, I, I, I heard about this conference for many years. My friend, Dr. John Powell, loved me dearly. He really did. I knew that man loved me. And he used to talk about Brother Geiler in this meeting. And last year, Brother Muncie invited us to come, and we came to this meeting last year, and I was so blessed. Yeah. Do you know how many people are counting on that man right there? He doesn't even know how many people are counting on that man right there. What if he, what if he gets, his, gets down and his heart gets down? It doesn't just affect him. It affects every one of us. Are you all with me? It affects every one of us. Got to guard your heart. Thirdly, you've got to guard your heart because your heart is constantly under attack. I, I, I'm sure you're probably aware of this, but I'm going to tell you anyways. The devil doesn't like you. Yeah. You know what the devil's trying to do? He's trying to use you to show God that he doesn't like God. He's going to try to hurt you. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you this. The devil does not care who or what he uses to hurt you. He will pick the people closest to you and beat you with them and hurt you with them or the things you love the most. The devil does not care what he uses or who he uses to tear you apart. <coughs> I see people leave our church. I, I would never have dreamed they would ever leave. But they let the littlest situation come to them when their heart is not right. The devil is constantly attacking your heart. He's constantly attacking your heart. My friend, he hates what we're doing. Yeah. You know why? Because we love God, and he knows we love God. See? He's going to try to hurt us. So I've got a few minutes left, and I'm going to give you real quickly how to cultivate a, a good heart, how to cultivate a right heart. And real simple things, and they're all ours. And the first one is, if you're going to cultivate a right heart, you're going to have to reflect. Reflect. 
Constantly reflect on yourself. That's what getting along with God is. Look, if Mar- in Mark chapter 1, if Jesus got alone every day, if he got alone, he went apart in the mountain to pray, if he got alone and had to reflect, how much more do you and I need to reflect? See, I know life happens. Life, is, life keeps us busy. Life keeps us all busy. We all have more to do than we... But I remember Dr. Howes used to say, life is not determined by what you do. Life is determined by what you choose not to do. You can't do everything. So you set your priorities, and one of your priorities needs to be that you stop every day and reflect, 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 reflect. Run everything through this. I said run everything through this. Yeah. The second thing you need to do and this one's going to sound a little, maybe a little different than what we normally hear, but you need to rest. You know, we hear, we hear at preach to us all the time about the work ethic, and we need to work, but sometimes we work and don't take care of ourselves. We don't rest. We don't rest. We don't rest. I mean, everybody here knows your limitations. You know when you're getting aggravated. You know when you're getting discouraged. This finger right here, this last joint on this finger... For the last three, three, uh, last three weeks, I've had no feeling in that finger. I work outside a lot with my horses and with my horses and different things, and I've had my fingers frozen, and I have to really be careful about getting my fingers cold. And when it snows, the staff members are supposed to come and clean the sidewalks and clean all the snow off. And three Sunday mornings ago, Two staff members showed up, Another one, my, me and one other. And I, I showed up because I have to. I live right across the street. <laughs> so we're cleaning snow, and I feel, I, I, there's only two of us, and I feel my finger getting numb. And I feel my finger getting more than numb, but I know there's only two of us here. And we have to get this done before the people come to church. And by the time we finished, my, that much of my finger was blue. It was See, I knew my limitations, but I didn't stop. I kept right on going. Just like we do all the time. Hey, how many of you can think of someone right now that when you're around them a little while, they aggravate the fire out of you? Yeah. Or sometimes you're around people and you know they're going to hurt you. Hey, stay with me now. You know they're going to hurt you. Or you put yourself in situations where you go beyond what you know your limitations are. See, you need to rest. There's nothing wrong with rest. See, matter of fact, the Bible says, Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. See, you, you need to rest. You need to rest. You need to take care of yourself. You need to rest. Thirdly, you need to recreate. Yeah. People have different ways of having fun. Some people love to fish. I love to fish if you're catching fish. I don't like to fish if you're not catching fish. Some people like to play golf. To me, that's crazy. 
We all, we all like different things. You all, you all like different things. There are some things you enjoy, some things you really enjoy. I, I know one fellow, he enjoys running, just running. I can't understand that. Now, you put me on a, you put me on a fat quarter horse and let me ride for three or four hours, and I, when I get done, I'll be, I'll be so tired, I can't hardly walk, but I will feel so great. I love to ride that old horse. Take that word recreation and tear it apart. Recreate. Sometimes you need to recreate. Now, I know some people would think that's not very spiritual, but sometimes you need to recreate. See? To me, eating is fun. Ah, now I'm getting to somewhere, see? I love to eat. I have yet to meet the food I didn't like. I love food. Recreate. Number four, and I'll be done. Number four. Relationships. Control your relationships. Look, control your relationships. There are some people, I'm not talking about just now just bad influence. Sometimes there's good people you don't need to be around. Yeah. Sometimes there are people you know are going to bring you down. You know, you've all seen the illustration that bad always pulls good down. Spiritual law of gravity. See? If you know you're going to have to be around someone who's not good for you, you make sure you limit the amount of time. And when I talk about relationships too, make sure you keep this relationship right. Yeah. He is a friend. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. And I'm going to tell you what, you keep this one right, you'll keep the rest of them right. Amen? Amen. 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 God bless you.